Welcome to church. There's a showward assembly, an exciting congregation of God's people, under the pastoral care of Dr. Dennis Eng and his amiable wife, Pastor I.T. Our mission is to raise champions who are passionate for God, winning in life and changing the world. Our vision is to be a growing community of worshippers and ministers from every tribe and tongue, taking the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever we go. Showward, raising champions. Today is healing and communion service. Always an opportunity to receive the blessings of the covenant. In whatever area of your life you need healing, the Lord will minister healing to you today. In the mighty name of Jesus. Receive healing for your body. Receive healing for your marriage. Receive healing for your business. Receive healing for your finances. Healing for your job. Healing for your dreams and your visions. In the mighty name of Jesus. And the focus of our teachings this month is on the trial of faith. The trial of faith. And I believe there couldn't have been a better time to start this than on the communion day that we are celebrating the death and the resurrection of Jesus. You know that the death of Jesus was marked by different trials. It was a trial of faith. Remember at Gethsemane, when the Lord was praying, he was between decisions. His faith was being tried. And he said to God, if it is possible, let this cup pass me by. If it is possible, let me not go to the cross. If it is possible, take away this assignment from me. His faith was being tried. That was Jesus in his humanity. Are you with me? That was Jesus in his humanity. If it is possible, I don't want to go through all of this suffering, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Hanging there on the cross between heaven and earth, everything seemed bleak and dark. God seemed so far away from him and he shouted, Eli, Eli, Laba Sabatane, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But the beautiful thing is that at the end of it all, he ended in victory. He fulfilled his assignment and faith triumphed over the trials and adversity. Your faith will also triumph. So the communion is a celebration of victory. And in that same way, you celebrate your victory over adversity. You didn't say good amen to that. Matthew chapter 13 is my first scripture. Let me read from verse 20. Can ushers help me pick these envelopes from here, please? Matthew chapter 13, verse 20. I don't think they heard the grammar I spoke. I said, ushers, help me pick. Do I speak Igbo now for them to hear? <laughs> or speak Greek? Lambano. <laughs> Hallelujah. This is actually the parable of the sower. The sower went out to sow and he threw seeds. The Bible says the first set of seeds fell on the wayside. And the birds of the air picked the seeds. 
the second fell on stony ground and sprang up. But because it had no root, when the sun started to shine, of course it dried up and died. The third fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked the seed. Only the fourth ground produced and bore fruits. Thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. In interpreting that parable, Jesus said that the seeds that fell by the wayside represent those who hear the word of God and they don't understand it. And as they step out of church, Satan takes away the word from their heart because you cannot profit from a word you don't understand. So Satan is waiting to take the word. But my interest is in the seed that fell on the second ground. The Bible says, uh, here Jesus said, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word of God and immediately receives the word of God with joy. Shouts an amen. Praise God. Glory to God. That word is for me. Receives with joy, with excitement. Verse 21, what happens? Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while, for a short time. For when tribulation or persecution, adversity, trial arises because of the word immediately he stumbles people of god i wanted to take note that the tribulation the persecution arises because of the word so the test you face the challenge you face the temptation you face the adversity you face, the trial you face, is because of the word. What does it mean? It means that those things come to try your faith and your confidence in God's word. If Satan is the source of it, he wants to see whether indeed you believe it. If God permits it, he wants to see whether indeed you believe it. You know, God said to Israel, I brought you out of the land of bondage into the wilderness full of serpents and scorpions. I suffered you to hunger so that I will test you and prove what is in your heart, whether you serve me or not. So even the wilderness experience for the people of God was a test to see whether they indeed believed the God that called them out of that land of bondage. Please take note that no matter the adversity, the suffering, the challenges, I can't even hear you. Those things arise because of the word. Because of the word. And the Bible here says, the man that is receiving the word with excitement, who has no roots, he stumbles. Because he has no root when the tribulation, when the persecution comes. But that will not be your story. In the mighty name of Jesus. You will have roots to stand in the face of adversity. When tribulation, when trial, when adversity comes, you will not stumble. You didn't say a good one. I said when those things come, you will not stumble. In the mighty name of Jesus. Genesis 15 verse 8. Here God is saying to 
Abraham verse. It says, God said, Lord, no, Abraham said, uh, God said to him, I'm going to give you the land where you stand. You know, um, God had promised Abraham, I'm going to give you children, I'm going to give you a multitude like the sun uh, by the seashore, like the stars of heaven, like the dust of the earth. And then God said to him, I will give you the land of Palestine, not only to you, but to your children after you. And as he was standing there in Genesis 15, God said to him, I'm going to give you the land that you're standing. I'm going to give it to you and to your children's children. Then Abraham said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit the land? How do I know that I will inherit this land? Verse 9. So he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle doe, and a young pigeon. Go on. Then he brought all these things to him and cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other, but he not cut the birds in two. What were these things? These were items of the covenant. When Abraham asked God, how do I know that I inherit the land? God said, the only way you'll know you'll inherit this land is if we cut a covenant. The covenant is the only guarantee that what I say, I will fulfill. The covenant is the only proof that when I make a promise, I'll bring it to pass. So if you want something to hold on to, Bring me a heifer. Bring me a young goat. Bring me a pigeon. Let us enter into a covenant so that when you remember the covenant, you will know that I am a covenant-keeping God and I will not fail in my promise. But please, let's get to the next verse and see this. When the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. I mean, the vultures represent forces of evil. They are birds of prey. So, even before God had a chance to enter into covenant with Abraham, vultures came to take the pieces of meat that cut the goats into two. Now, if vultures succeeded in taking those little, the three-year-old goats, what would they use for the sacrifice? Nothing. So, when the enemy sees your relationship with God, he comes to take away the basis of the covenant. He comes to shake the foundation of your trust in God. The foundation of your faith in God. But the Bible says Abraham drove them away. So will you also drive those enemies away? In the mighty name of Jesus. Is somebody following me this morning? James chapter 1. Let me read from 2 and I'll read to 4. My brethren, count it all joy. When you fall into various trials, that's actually something that a lot of people don't do. They complain in trial. They complain, they fret, they worry. They cry, they lament whenever there are trials. Whenever there are tribulations, persecutions, temptations. But here James is saying to us, count it all joy, brethren. Count it all joy. Be excited. Be happy when you fall into diverse or various trials. In other words, there will be trials. 
There will be trials. Are you with me? There will be temptations. There will be challenges. Count it all joy. I think some days ago when my wife was traveling, I was seeing her to the airport. I saw a colleague of mine who was preaching. Anybody who is preaching the gospel is my colleague. So I was passing, I saw the man of God by the roadside with a trumpet preaching. But the message he preached was the kind of typical message that you will hear from the mouth of certain evangelists. And when they preach, they preach it with all their hearts, with all their passion, and we believe it. Unfortunately, if you don't get to hear the other side of the gospel, which is what I'm preaching to you now, you can get very disappointed and frustrated. What was the message? Repent! Come to Jesus and all your problems will be over. Come to Jesus. All your problems. He will take away all your problems. If you come to Jesus, all your needs are met, all your problems are over. All your worries will be taken away. Is that true? Is that so? That's what we hear at first. And you come to Jesus and you find out that all your problems are not over. It's true, it takes away your problems and then you have a new set. It takes away all your troubles. And after solving the first set of problems, a new set will emerge. And it will solve them also. And then another one will come. He will solve them. It doesn't take all your problems away. But it gives you victory over all of them. Are you with me? And this is what sometimes throws people off their faith. Which is really what the trial of faith is all about. You believe in Jesus. And you think because you believe in Jesus, of course you can have a headache. Believe in Jesus. Everything must work well for you. Everything must be... Ch -ch -ch -ch. Before you pray, he will answer. That's what the Bible says. Before the prayer, I will answer. You have, you have been praying. There's no answer. But count it all joy. Count and be excited because the end will be in your favor. The end of it will be a testimony. There is no testimony without a test. When you enter into the exam room, you cannot be crying. You must believe that you're going to come out with a good result. So you get excited. My daughter was going to do common entrance the other day. She was all over the place. Very excited. Very excited. Even before the result came, she had chosen the school. That is the way we should enter tests. You cannot enter exam home with your exam hall with your, your hands on your head. Oh my God. No. That is already bad luck. Go to exam room wearing your best clothes, wearing a smile, wearing a good perfume, doing your hair well. You're excited because this examination will be in your favor. Count it all joy. Can you help me preach that to your neighbor, please? <laughs> Amen. Count it all joy. When you fall into various 
trials. Verse 2. Or verse 3, rather. Are you still here? Knowing that, knowing that, the testing of your faith produces patience. Verse 4. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. When God is through testing you, when the adversity is through testing you, let me even say, even when Satan is through testing you, you'll be perfect. You'll be complete. And you'll lack nothing. Can someone say, I hear that? That is why we should be excited. We shouldn't allow ourselves to be sad, to be depressed because of the challenges of life. Because they will work out in our favor. Can someone say, I hear that? Beloved, let me take a little time to paint for you scenarios where our faith gets tested. Our faith in God, our faith in the word of God gets tested. So let me paint you diverse pictures of those trials of faith. Number one is that your faith is tried when your life or your experience is not in line with what you profess. When what you believe and the way you live do not agree. When your experience seems to contradict your faith, your faith comes under trial. You believe indeed that Jesus took your sickness, Jesus took your pain and bore on the cross of Calvary by the stripes on Jesus, you were healed. You believe that. But you find that your body has been afflicted and so the sickness puts your faith in God's word in that scripture to test. Will you continue to believe what the word of God says? Or will you believe what your body is telling you? Will you rather believe that circumstance and not God's word? The Bible says when you serve the Lord, he will bless your food, he will bless your water, he will take sickness away from you. None of you will be barren you will not cast your young. The number of your days, you will, he will fulfill. He will fulfill. You have served the Lord. You have labored in his vineyard. And yet you are still trusting God for a baby. The Bible said to Israel, and by extension to us, it says, none of you shall be barren. No, not even your cattle. So, if you have been married for five years, for ten years, and the baby is yet to come, will you continue to believe God's word? Or will you believe the circumstance of your life? Will you believe the doctor? 
when the doctor tells you my sister like the doctor told my wife say my sister I am also a Christian but the truth is that you cannot give birth will you rather believe the doctor or will you believe what the word of God says concerning you those days when my wife were and I were trusting God for the fruit of the womb 10 years, 15 years I would come to this church I would keep preaching Sunday morning I would declare no child of God can be barren your womb has been blessed by God Mary did not even need a male seed to conceive, the word of God can impregnate you Pastor, where is your own? I will preach. As we are driving home, my wife will tell me, you are not normal. As I'm not. I'm a man of God. I preach God's word. You know, God, Paul said, said, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus and him crucified. It's not my experience that I'll preach. I'll preach what the word of God says. And it's got nothing to do with whether I have experienced it or not. The word of God on its own is enough. On its own. Even if I'm begging to eat, it will not change what I believe. Because the Bible says Jesus, even though he was rich, yet for my sake he became poor, so that I through his poverty might become rich. The Bible says, blessed is the man that fears the Lord that delights greatly in his commandment, wealth and riches shall be in his house and his righteousness abides forever. So I believe that word even when I can't pay my bills. Oh, come on. Is somebody here? What I'm but my circumstance will try my faith. That time that the landlord gives me quick notice, the devil will tell me, see what you believe is fake. What you believe is fake? Would you keep trusting God? Will you keep confessing the word? Will you keep standing on what you believe in spite of your experience? Beloved, that is the trial of faith. It could be healing, could be fruitfulness, could be prosperity, could be anything. Your life seems to be out of tune with what you believe. Jesus was the son of God walking the face of the earth. When they crucified Jesus, they crucified him between two thieves. Remember? And one of the thieves asked him, Oh God, Jesus, what are you doing here? Are you no more the son of God? I thought you would have come down Save yourself and save those of us that are here. Somebody can tell you, my sister, we know ourselves, though, we know we are not righteous before God, but those of you that go to church, we don't even understand you. Those of you that carry Bible, you are even single like us. We, those of us, we have been running around town. We understand if God is angry with us. But you said, Virgin Mary, why are you not married? Your Bible is so fat. Your bank account is so lean. Your faith is on trial. Come on, is somebody in church? 
you're squatting from place to place. Even the people you're squatting with don't go to church. You with your Bible, even one part of the bed is the Bible that is there. And you don't have accommodation. Is somebody still here? The way you live does not line up with the things you believe. Will you now change what you believe because of the circumstance of your life? That is what you call the trial of faith. But let me progress. Number two scenario is that your faith gets tried when your prayer is unanswered. Bible says if we pray according to his will, he hears us. That is the confidence we have. Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. Seek, you shall find. Knock, the door shall be opened. Beloved, you have been knocking since. You're always breaking the door. Are you still here? You have been asking till your mouth is now long. You don't seem to get any answer. Will you still believe that scripture? Or will you now dismiss it and say, well, my brother, I'm not sure again that God is still answering prayer. I talked about how Jesus felt forsaken on the cross. When you pray and God seems far away, far away, you feel forsaken by God, your faith is on trial. Your faith is on trial. You can stand on a scripture. And you see, it gets more challenging. You get more tried in your faith when people come and give testimony. Praise the Lord! Hallelujah. Pray, 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 praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Brethren, I just decided to wait on the Lord one day. I waited on the Lord for three hours and the Lord heard me. You're in church. You have been fasting for three weeks. Somebody waited on the Lord for three hours and the Lord heard, God, where are you? Must I die before you hear me? Some testimonies torment us. As you are driving from church, we are sad now. What have I not done? I just gave the Lord a seed of 2,000 naira and the Lord opened the way for me. You have given 20,000. You have not seen the way. Only 2,000 opened the day for Sister Mary. Come on, is somebody in church? I believe I'm being very real now. Your prayer appears unanswered. Come on, let's read that. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 13. These were men of faith. The Bible says they all died in faith. Not having received the promises. So men of faith, they are men of faith. They can die in faith and not receive the promise. They can die in faith and not receive the promise. My wife came back from seeing the wife of one of her friends. And the wife was, a friend died, you know, from weeks ago. And my wife was talking with, with the wife. And the wife was saying, oh, 
my husband till he died prayed for God to heal him and he was still praying and trusting God for healing he went to be with the Lord a few weeks ago still trusting God for healing will you keep your faith even when the answer is yet to come will you still hold on to God and keep when you pray and the answer doesn't seem to come your faith is on trial Nothing tries our faith like having to pray for our loved one to live and he dies. <laughs> if you have not lost a close person, you will not understand the trauma in it. I'm not talking about losing an uncle. Oh, my auntie. Not my auntie, my favorite auntie. Your favorite auntie will not pain you. Your favorite auntie is somebody's mother as the daughter. Are you with me? Oh, I used to like that, my uncle. When I was in secondary school, that my uncle used to carry me. That was in secondary school. As the son, the pain of losing the father. When you lose a spouse, your faith is tried to the limits. Because you would have prayed all manner of prayers. All manner. Anointing oil, fasting, covenant, seeding, anything you would have done. You know, when you are at a point that you want someone to live, there's nothing you will not do. If case don't take you, you will open up to the wrong things. They say, remove shoe. You say, if it is shoe alone, even Lee can live. Pray 12 o'clock and I say, is that, that's a small thing or something. When you lose someone that is close to you, you lose a wife. You lose a husband. You lose a child. You lose a father. You lose a mother. Particularly if they were not old. Some people, they lose their mother and their father. Oh, I've lost my parents. They were 102. That one is celebration. That one is a party. When you lose your mother, who was young, when I was told, I came back to a hospital, entered St. Luke's Hospital, I took a look at the ward, and I did not see my mother's bed. I knew she had passed on. I didn't ask the nurse. I didn't ask the doctor. I went out to a friend who was, my wife's friend, who was actually the nurse that was working in that hospital and lived opposite the hospital, stepped into her house, and she told me, Mama has passed on. I just didn't know when I collapsed on the chair. I couldn't cry. I was numb completely. I was not my mother's only son. I was my mother's only child. I was her only child. And she lived with me till she passed. There was no prayer. I did not pray. No prayer. I didn't pray. Nobody that I knew was a prayer warrior. That I didn't enlist. <laughs> she died. Have you had people die and you put your hands on them and pray standing on scripture? The Bible says that he has given you power to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to raise the dead, and to cleanse. Say, Father, I'm raising the dead today. And the dead begins to become so cold that you know that it's time for burial. So after praying, and the body begins to smell after three days, you know, 
the dead will have to be buried till another time. That's the trial of faith. Come on. Am I making sense to somebody? Maybe it's your marriage that dies. Marriage can die. You have tried all you know. Your marriage fails. You have prayed. You have walked. You have... Oh, Lord. You know, sometimes you think that people that lose their marriage are bad people. Not necessarily. They might have done all they know. They believe God. Help them. Some of us that have good marriage is not even because we do better than those that don't, that don't have. But the prayer seems not to work. Your faith is on trial. Some people run away and leave church. They can't, they, they can't believe God again. They can't pray again. Some people lose faith in prayer. It doesn't work. Can I proceed? Third scenario is when the word of God is prolonged. The vision of God is prolonged. God is the one that spoke to you. You heard God. It's not demons. It's not the devil. It's God that spoke to you. But the word is prolonged. The word doesn't come to pass. You have waited and waited and waited. When my wife and I were married after a few years, I remember that day sitting in the car with one of the best prophets in this nation. He's going to be with the Lord. Was a very close friend of us and my wife's. He sat in the car with us, Reverend Philip Mokunga. And he was prophesying to us. Being accurate prophecies. And he was speaking of what God will do in our lives. And how God is going to send us a baby. Years passed, we didn't see it. Would you still believe that that word came from the Lord? Would you still believe that God is the one that sent it to you? Ezekiel chapter 12. Let me read from 31. Is somebody still here? The word of the Lord came to me saying, 22. Son of man, what is this proverb that you people have about the land of Israel which says, the days are prolonged and every vision fails. Tell them therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will lay this proverb to rest. And they shall no more use it as a proverb in Israel. But say to them, the days are at hand. The fulfillment of every, and the fulfillment of every vision. The days are at hand. Can I declare that to somebody here? The days are at hand. And the fulfillment of that vision that God has given to you. What has delayed God will bring it to pass. I love that scripture that Pastor Christian read this morning. Psalm 119, I think it's verse 126. It is time God for you to make your word to work. Because your enemies have made void your word. It is time. Can I declare to someone it is time? I said it is time. It is time. In the mighty name of Jesus. Glory to God. So when the thing takes too long, we tend to lose faith in the word. The Bible says a desire that is prolonged, that is delayed, that is deferred, makes the heart sick. We find it difficult to hold on. We have waited for it. 
I, I think that God gave me the experience I had, allowed me to have my experience so that I will have the moral ground to preach what I'm preaching. Some time ago, somebody came to my office so distraught. She had waited for five years for a child. And she felt like throwing away the Bible, not believing in God, stopping every relationship with God. When she finished talking with me, and I sat her down. And by this time, our children had not yet come. And I, and I said, I have been waiting for over five years. I've waited for 10. I've waited for 20. She sat up and said, excuse me. It's not showing. I said, it's not showing because of what I believe. Because of what I believe. That it is delaying does not mean that God has failed. It will come to pass. Amen. God's delay is not God's denial. So hold your peace. There are some young people. You think that God has traveled. Heaven is vacant. Just because you are not married at 23. At 25. Please hold your peace. God is still on your case. Can somebody say hallelujah? Number four. Are we still together? Your faith is on trial when you see the unrighteous prosper. Have you seen people that don't go to church prosper? That's what the psalmist said. Psalm number 73. Long reading. I don't think I should bother you to read all of that, but you can read it on your own. David said, when I see the unrighteous prosper, the wicked prosper, I'm confused. I said, God, why do they prosper and I don't prosper? Why is it that they live at peace? They live at ease. They seem to be getting away with everything. Even their death is sweet. Sometimes, you watch the burial of people that don't know God and say, wonderful. By the way, one of our very senior friends, he said he saw somebody's convoy. He doesn't know how to speak too much fine grammar. He said, I saw the convo. I saw the convo. And uh, at the burial, and I, I felt like dying. So I saw the convo, and I felt like dying. You can see somebody's convo. And feel like dying. The rasmatas of the death say, oh My God, maybe I should die now. <laughs> David said, I looked at the unrighteous, the wicked. Even death said is sweet. The way they die, the things they do, they seem to get away with everything. Look at the car they drive, look at the house they live, and God has not killed them. But we are suffering here, carrying big Bible going to church, seeing the choir, sleeping floor. Then he said, until I went into the house of the Lord, that was when I knew their end, that their end is destruction. Their end is what? Destruction. And in case you say, oh, but they, they have died. Where are they dying to? They are dying to destruction. Their end is destruction. Don't envy the wicked. Don't get confused by the prosperity of the unrighteous. It will not profit them in the long run. It will not. And in case you're here and you are living a life that people may envy, but it is not a life of God. It is not a life that gets the approval of God. It will not save you right at the end. Repent and change. 
So, when we see the prosperity of the righteous on the unrighteous, the prosperity of the unrighteous, it tries our faith. Will we still hold on to our values? Will we still hold on to our righteousness? Will we still hold on to what God's word says? Or will we abandon it? Should I continue? Number five. When God calls you to do what is beyond you, your faith is on trial. When God calls you to do what is beyond you, your faith is on trial. I'm thinking about Noah. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7. God said to Noah, build me an ark. By the time God said to, to Noah, build me an ark, there was no, no model of an ark on the face of the earth. Noah was not a professional carpenter, he was simply a farmer. But God called him to do something beyond his competence. Something beyond his skill. God can call you to an assignment you know nothing about. That is when your faith in God is tried. Will you believe that the one that has called you will use you and will bring it to pass? Or will you chicken out and believe, no, 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 it's not for me. Are you still here? God can call you into something that scares you. Something that frightens you. That is when your faith is being tested. Will you believe God even though you are afraid, even though you are scared, will you say the God that has called me is faithful? He will do it. Can someone say hallelujah? Can I stay with Noah a little? Noah was called by God to build an ark. The Bible says by his own obedience to God, he judged and condemned the world. Look at that scripture, it's on the board. And became a heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Later on, Brother Peter will call Noah the eighth man and the preacher of righteousness. So he was a symbol of righteousness. But later on we find in Genesis chapter 8 that Noah planted a vineyard and became drunk. Uncovered himself in his tent. As a man that knew nothing about God. As a man that is not the preacher of righteousness. As a man that is not the symbol of everything God stands for. Beloved, can I say to you that our faith is tried when we see men who should be symbols of righteousness. Who should be epitomes of God's values live a life that is not consistent with their faith. Are you still here? When that brother with a big Bible is the best liar in town. He's so smooth. But if he opens his mouth to preach like this, you'll get born again a second time. Have you met such men? I mean, they, when they talk to you, they talk with divine mysteries. They expound revelation. But apart from that, which they preach from scripture, if you believe any other thing, you're finished. If they collect money from you, they won't return. Are you understanding what I'm saying? If they do business with you, they'll do crooked business. 
But men, if they expound scriptures, if they talk about revelation, if they speak in tongues like this, even to yourself, you know there's a the kind of tongues you hear, even, even goose pimples will be all over you. My God, when will I speak like this? Some brothers, their zips are not good. But their tongues are very powerful. Their tongues, you can trust their tongue, but don't trust their zip. Don't. They can't have a, a decent relationship with a sister. They can't. Their minds are already completely messed up. Their minds are messed up. When you see these people, and sometimes they are people that you should believe in. Remember, the eighth man, the preacher of righteousness, is drunk and uncovered in his tent. Your faith is tried. If you came to meet him, you go back, you begin to wonder, oh my God, what is happening? Is this thing working at all? Is it possible for any man to be straightforward? Your faith is on trial. Is somebody here who wants to say, but it simply shows that whether it's a preacher of righteousness or is a brother in righteousness, all of us depend on the grace of God. No man should be your ultimate model. You should look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. You cannot backslide because somebody's living wrong. Were you called into the faith because of him? It does not matter where, what, however they choose to live. That's not your business. Face your front and live the life that God will have you to live. And God will be glorified. Can somebody say hallelujah? Let me give you one or two more. I think one more. And then I'll wrap this up. This is number seven. Your faith is tried when God demands from you what is not reasonable. I think that's how I put it. When God demands from you what is not reasonable. God, when God demands from you something that will try your faith. Something that will test your belief. God said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you. Give you children like the stars. Like the dust. Like the sand. And God didn't give him all plenty children, gave him one promised seed. And the same God asked him for that seed. So all of the promises were locked on in Isaac. And yet God made a demand. That is why the Bible says God tested Abraham. God tested Abraham. And Abraham obeyed God and surrendered that only child, the seed of promise. The one that should birth all the generations that God has promised. The Bible says he gave God that seed and received him back in a figure. God is still doing the same thing today. The same thing. When God makes a demand on you to give something precious, you can only give when your faith in God is intact. Every time we have to give God a precious seed, Make a sacrifice to God. Our faith in God is being tried. Amen. 
Is somebody hearing what I'm saying now? How do you start a job and give God your first income? That must be because you have rugged faith in God. How do you begin the year and give God your first income? That's because your faith in God has triumphed over your needs. Your faith is being tried. When they call for a seed and you go, like the Bible says of the churches of Macedonia, that they did not only give, but they gave even beyond your ability. That is a trial of faith. And God is still doing the same today. Can somebody say hallelujah? Let me few, say a few things and then I'll wrap this up. God has a purpose for every trial. Can you say that with me? God has a purpose for every trial. Can you say it again? God has a purpose. God is allowing that adversity because it is going to work in your favor. The Bible says there that the trial of your faith does what? Work at patience. So the trial of your faith is going to work out something good in your life. That is why we can say all things work together for good to them that love God. That trial will not destroy you. That affliction will not destroy you. That adversity will not ruin you. It will make you mature. Can someone say hallelujah? You know, nothing matures people like adversity. You don't get adversity in a school. Maybe there's a subject called adversity or maturity. And then maybe they teach you how to be mature. How to be mature is when they beat you, don't cry. No, that's not how they do it. But people get mature when they are exposed to challenges. People get mature when they are exposed to adversity. Adversity matures you. Please see somebody with me. I gave this example in the first service. Let me give it here. If you have two children, one is what you call GRA pop pop, a jebota. And the other one is a street kid. They are jebota. In fact, right from when he is born, they take care of him. They wipe his bum bum. They help him to wear socks. He's five. He can't even eat on his own. Every time they help him to do everything, to wear his clothes, they must help him to wait. They drive him to school, drive him back. If he even cries, the mother goes to school and makes trouble, storms the school, abuses the teachers, abuses, in fact, closes down the school. But the street kid learns to fight for himself. He may be selling oranges on the streets. Some of us, our children can be 15 years, we don't even trust them to cross the road. But the six-year-old street kid lives on the road. He masters crossing the road. Can somebody really what I'm saying now? You can't send your 10-year-old to buy bread. But the seven-year-old, six-year-old is selling bread. Selling bread. Bats himself. Takes care of his brothers. You know, there are some children by 10, by 5, so they are already taking care of their little ones. But there are some children that they are grown up, their parents are still taking care of them. If you put those two children together, the maturity level of the street kid will be far higher. That is why some of us that live comfortably, we must make sure that we don't overprotect our children.
expose them. Let them live normal lives. Put them in keke from time to time. Let them jump okada also. Let them trek. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying now? Don't carry your child. He's grown up. You can't let the child walk any distance. Oh, bomboy, come, come, come. Oh, oh, bobo, bobo. Keep the child down. Let the child trek. Child is eating five times. Say, hey, I have it. Let, let the child eat. Even if you have, please sometimes keep the food locked up somewhere. Let the child understand you can stay for some time without eating. I am saying that God allows adversity for our maturity. Come on, is somebody here on saying that? So that you will not grow up as an invalid. So that you will not grow up as someone that is not mature. God wants you to be mature. So that challenge in your business is for your good. Even that challenge in your marriage is for your good. Can somebody say hallelujah? First Peter chapter 1 verse 6 and 7. Maybe I can read this straight in the Good News Translation. In this you greatly rejoice. Be glad about this. Even though it may now be necessary for you to be sad for a while because of the many kinds of trials you suffer. Their purpose, the purpose of the trials, have you seen that? Is to prove that your faith is genuine. Glory to God. Is to prove that your faith is what? Even gold, which can be destroyed, is tested by fire. And so your faith, which is much more precious than gold, must also be tested. Glory to God. So did you see the Bible? The Bible says your faith must be? It's not that your faith can be tested. Your faith must be? Whether it has been tested or will be tested, but the testing is guaranteed. Your faith must be tested. So that it may endure, then you receive praise and glory, honor on the day of when Jesus, on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed. I pray that when your faith is tested, it will come out like pure gold. And you receive on the day of Jesus Christ, praise and glory and honor. Can I read the message translation? There was something I liked about it. Pure gold put in the fire. Come on, go to seven. Pure gold put in the fire comes out of it proved pure. Genuine faith put through this, this suffering comes out proved genuine. Please read this with me, everyone. Please go to read the next line. One go. I love that. It's your faith, not your goal that God will boast about, that God will have on display, that God will showcase. That is why God is exposing you so that your faith will be tested. Can somebody say, I hear that? In all my days of challenges, one scripture helped me. All my days of waiting, one scripture helped me. First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. Let's read this together and close with this one. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Can you read this with me? One, please read.
No temptation. No trial. No adversity. No affliction. No shame. No embarrassment that you see. That is not common. You think you are the only one that has seen it. But you are wrong. Others have seen it also. You think they are the only Christian that has experienced it. You are wrong. A lot more Christians have passed through that route. There is nothing you go through. That is not common. This is beautiful. No temptation has ex ex overtaken you. Except such as is common to man. But I love the next line. But God is faithful. Can you say God is faithful? Can you say it again? God is faithful. Declare again. God is faithful. The guarantee that you will overcome is because God is faithful. He's too faithful to fail. God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able? God will not allow you to be tempted, to be tested. You see this testing we are talking about? God knows the one you can bear. He knows the one you cannot bear. Years ago, a man said to me, if I waited for five years and my wife did not have a baby, I will marry another woman. So I said, because God knows you, God will do everything to give you a baby before five years. Because he knows that you don't have the faith that will go beyond five years. If I waited for over 20 years, it's because God trusted me. It's because God knew I will not backslide. Somebody asked me, ah, you were still preaching. Yes, because of what I believe. Because of what I know. When your life is not in line with God's word, when your experience is at variance with what you profess, please hold on to God's word. Stand on God's word. And God knows the extent to which your faith can carry you. He knows. There are people that if they waited like that, they will begin to consult idols. They will begin to run to prayer houses and do the wrong things. One man met me in Uyo and said, my wife, I'm almost losing my marriage. There is no prayer house my wife has not gone to. I said, I understand it. Understand it. Because she wants a baby. There is nothing she has not done. But God knows that there are some of us that years have gone by. The things we profess we have not seen and yet our faith remains intact. God is faithful. Can someone say hallelujah? One sister lost her marriage. She was becoming so jittery. She couldn't come to church. She was feeling so embarrassed, so ashamed. So I pointed out to another sister. <laughs> I, said, I said, you see that sister? That sister lost her own marriage also. But she knows fully well that she had done her best. She's not ashamed. There is nothing she did wrong. She could sit on the front row because she had tried. If it didn't work, she can't kill herself. I can't come and go and kill myself. Abi, 
I can't go and, go and, go and kill myself. It has not worked. There's nothing you can do. Put it behind you and live your life. I can't come and go and kill myself. <laughs> Glory to God. If there is someone that handled adversity so admirably in this church, I have a few people that have done that. Downturn in their lives. But when Pastor Ikoro lost his wife, handled it so beautifully, the children didn't leave the faith. Their faith in God was intact. And like I said earlier, if you have lost an uncle, that's a different thing. But when you lose a spouse, when you lose a mother that was dear to you, that's a different thing. I've never said this in church openly, but I have always celebrated them privately because I admire their faith. But not every man could take that. A, a particular man was a preacher. I saw the picture of the man the other day. Preacher of the gospel was pastoring. My wife went to somewhere. I think my wife saw them come out of the church. And we made inquiries. They, they left their Bible. They stopped preaching. And they became members of a church because they were completely discouraged. What did they lose? Their child. And they might have even had many children. And probably they prayed and they lost their last child. And they felt so distraught and discouraged that they couldn't preach anymore. Not everybody can handle adversity. But God knows your level. God knows your limits and God is going to help you. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? How, what is it that helps us to handle adversity well? Our knowledge. We know that the trying of our faith worketh patience. Do you know that? Do you know that the trial of your faith works patience? And that when patience has done its perfect work, you'll be more mature. Do you know that? If you don't know it, you run from pillar to post. If you don't know it, you feel frustrated. You don't know it, you throw away your Bible. You don't know it, you change your confession. But when you know, it doesn't matter how long it takes. Like I said in the first service. Some people are 25. They are feeling so frustrated they are not married. But some of us at 45, we are still singing in the choir. Very happy, leading praise and worship. Because God knows that we can bear it. God knows. I had a brother. If he, was, if he had 50, 50, 50, 50 naira in school, he was broke. Some of us didn't even have any money at all. And we're still praising God. Brother Didi will be running from pillar to post. He will be running everywhere looking for help. Those of us that we were doing zero, zero, one. Sometimes zero, zero, half. You know, we're looking like Brother Kumuyi. They thought that the reason we were always wearing danshiki and one trousers is because we're holy. It was not because we're holy. It's because we didn't have. We're wearing sandals. Say, ah, brother, Dennis, very humble, bro. See, where's sandals? Where's only one trouser? See, this is, these are the brothers that will make heaven. You're not going to make heaven because you wear one trouser. We, we didn't have. <laughs> but see, today, trouser is not my problem. 
suit is not my problem. But I needed to hold on to God till God came through for me. You know, I tell my wife a few times that if I had committed suicide, it would have been such a tragedy because I would have missed out of what I became. Hold on enough for God to bless you. Don't give up too quick. God has such a glorious future for you that if you throw in the towel too early, you will not even know what God had for you. Nobody should ever commit suicide because suicide is terminating your life and terminating the plans that God has for you. God has a glorious future for you. And every word he has spoken, every word he has given to you will come to pass. Your faith will not fail. I said your faith will not fail. Your faith will not fail. In the mighty name of Jesus. When you're tried, you'll come out like pure gold. And God will celebrate you. You see glory and honor and dignity in the mighty name of Jesus. Can you stand up and let's pray? Sure Word Assembly is a Bible teaching ministry operating at different locations. Every Sunday by 9 a.m., we experience supernatural encounter with God as we worship Him and drink from the fountain of His Word. Every Thursday, we meet at 6 p.m. for teaching prayer, and breaking of bread. If you need a church that will equip you to grow in the faith, empower you to succeed in life, and give you a platform to serve the Lord, welcome to Shoreward Assembly. To learn more about us, visit shorewordassembly.org. Remember, with God, all things are possible, so expect a miracle today. And when you're coming for the next service, bring a friend along. Shoreward. Raising Champions.